Welcome along. It's the Selling on eBay radio show as we uh, hit the midpoint of quarter four. Means one thing. Just a few weeks remaining in which eBay will probably change some functionality on the site via some unannounced edits to the system. Welcome to the Selling on eBay radio show. We're here to save you money, to increase your sales, and to have fun. The lines are open for your calls and texts. 1-833-EBAY-723. That's 1-833-322-9723. This is Fake Announcer Guy saying here's Philip and Sherry. That's Sherry Smith and Philip Jackson, your hosts for the Selling on eBay radio show. We're here to make your eBay business more fun, certainly. And if we're really lucky, a little bit more profitable. Sherry uh, is based out in Colorado. She's a full-time eBay seller, uh, busy uh, dealing with the uh, consignment market over there. And a very proud owner of multiple dogs, but we won't get into that. Otherwise, we'll run out of time. Philip lives in the swamplands of Orlando, Florida, which is much more beautiful than you would imagine. He's got the dock on the water, just doesn't swim with his neighbors who are mostly alligators. No boat. He, no. <laughs> he sold over $2 million on eBay and is much online in his own web store selling high-end audio equipment to businesses, which eliminates having to communicate with the riffraff. Indeed. Uh, coming up on this week's edition of the Selling on eBay radio show, we have... A caller question about disputes and feedback. Excellent. We love those calls. 833-EBAY-723 if you want to get yours in. Uh, text or voicemail works for us. Also, I think we're uh, eBay Main Street, the government relations department of eBay. I think they're pretty much drinking in the last chance saloon uh, when it comes to trying to get that uh, $600 threshold for the 1099Ks either removed or raised. We'll talk about that. And customs paperwork is about to become oh, more complicated. More that's what we need. And does eBay uh, want us to stop using auction numbers? I feel that's a war that's been running for some time, and they seem to have stepped it up a gear. Okay, moving on, starting off with the uh, eBay news this week. Uh, a general shipping type one. I, I don't know whether, Sherry, you've noticed difference with the UPS folks in uh, your area in Colorado. Certainly here in Florida... Uh, in the past, seasonal uh, load has been handled by eBay hiring, I, I guess, they're pretty unionized, or certainly were pretty unionized, so the, the brown trucks would come around, but there'd be a someone riding shotgun yes. in the brown livery, jumping out the door, racing up the, uh, the drive with the parcels whilst the guy in the truck would figure out the next destination, and hopefully they would be more productive. That was the way it worked every year up until now, but there's certainly here been a change in that it looks like they flipped over to using I guess casual labor uh, with uh, their own cars because I was pleasantly surprised uh, to receive a US uh, UPS delivery from a well, the nice looking young lady who wasn't dressed in brown she had a sort of UPS green vest on uh, driving a late model SUV and I think, oh, that's interesting they've because um, they they were pretty strongly unionized and I think they always resisted uh, the inevitable push to try and use casual labor and so I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. The next day it was a different guy turns up in his own car. So obviously they're using uh, these these types of people to um, to fill in the extra extra load. And I, I asked the second guy because I thought what might be going on is they'd actually completed the acquisition of Roadie because UPS bought Roadie to try and help them uh, handle the last mile. And it looked like maybe this was the 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 inevitable conclusion of that transaction 
So I asked the guy if he was working for Rody and whether this was a, uh, a UPS Rody hookup kind of deal. He knew, knew nothing about Rody whatsoever. So, oh, I, but it doesn't mean to say that they couldn't have just bought Rody to get the system stacked to try and get the thing to market quicker rather than have to develop the thing from scratch, which is often what happens. I mean, Walmart did that. Uh, they bought a company just to get the systems to, to save them having to spend an extra year developing it themselves. So uh, it's an interesting shift. Um, I've had no problems with these folks, and they seem very cheerful, and they seem very enthusiastic because I think they're promised that maybe in the full run of time they'll get a proper job with, uh, with UPS and a nice brown uniform and a truck where you can ride around with the door open all day. Yes, I've noticed them with the second person, and I, I've been waving them down lately because it'll just save me the five-minute trip to the UPS store. Yes. And asking if they'll take my packages. Do they charge you a pickup fee when you do that? Not when I wave them down, but they do charge me a disgruntled look, oh, actually. Okay. Well, you get it's that It's not everywhere. my usual guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that just comes, comes free. Everyone does that. Okay. I have a nasty feeling that if I do that for FedEx, um, it, it makes sense, but then I have a, it, it'll get scanned as, as a you know customer pickup or something, and there'll be another, whatever it is, a $4 charge added to my account per package for a, for a pickup. So I'm a bit nervous about flagging people down other than USPS. Uh, so anyway, perhaps if anyone knows how that works, if you flag down a UPS or FedEx and say, hey, take my package and scan it in here, whether that incurs the pickup charge or not. Again, the best way to get in touch is the uh, the phone number, which is 833-EBAY-723. Uh, also recently, Shari, we had another one of those eBay seller check-in calls where select eBay executives pontificate for 45 minutes, whatever, on what's going on. Did you uh, make the last one? Did you join that one? I got in about 20 minutes late, but and then I was there in, for the time that we were on watching them on stage but then when they went into breakout rooms i had to leave and do we have any earth-shattering announcements that we can pass on i don't feel like i gleaned anything from that um even the questions that they read off crickets <laughs> sorry that's my brain Go ahead. Do you have no? I don't, I don't think there was much. On? There was much of any great insight. I mean, it's nice to see them, and uh, everyone says happy Christmas and all that sort of stuff. But it's um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything uh, that we need to report here. Uh, there, there'll be a replay of it on uh, their uh, eBay for Business YouTube channel if you want to catch up with that. Afterwards, there was um, a batch of networking sessions. How did yours go? Um, I yes, because this time I I said I'd do a, a subject-based uh, networking room, so I picked photography and lighting because I think I can talk a bit about that if it all goes quiet. And I think there's about twenty odd people at one point in there, which I thought was pretty good. Oh wow, that's impressive! That's um, a big turnout. I, I, the only problem was, and maybe I, I'll have to think about how to change this. Nobody wanted to put their their mic or camera on, so they were sort of sending in the occasional questions and discussion points via chat and ask a question oh that's not as fun but you got 20 people all sitting there and i'm the only thing on on the screen and i think then after a bit people will feel very nervous about then putting themselves on the screen so um i'm thinking next time it would be better to have a second co-host an mc or someone because it's quite hard to give coherent answers to questions whilst at the same time you're scanning both the q a box the chat box and everything see if anyone's joined or left and trying to get people to turn on their mics and cameras and things it would be better and i think i have someone in mind who might be able to help me with this oh yeah to have, a, have a second neat. a second person also on visual because then it kind of makes it a bit more of a party 
rather than just yeah. and and have them kind of scan the questions and read out the ones that are interesting or relevant to the point we're trying to make. And then I could focus on trying to be coherent with what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I can be comic relief. Yes, you could. You could provide the funnies. I could provide the serious content, and we could do a double act. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I know they've had a double host on one of the networking rooms, so mm-hmm. I bet they'd be open to that. Yeah, I, although the, the, sorry. Oh, sorry. I have to say that our caller uh, that we'll hear mm-hmm. later, he told me. In a direct communication, he said, so Philip's the funny one <laughs> and you're the serious one. I'm like, really? Is that really true? I know you you are funny, but. <laughs> I try sometimes. We try, this is try, We do try and do this as kind of a, a semi-comedy show. We don't get into enormously serious stuff. But uh, So we're very happy. If you've got any thoughts as to stuff that's on the lighter side of things, we'll happily take that. You can get in touch. Uh, I'll give the website out because we haven't done that yet. It's uh, sellsellsell.online. Sounds like a funny website, but it does actually uh, does actually come through to us, and you can email us through that. So, yeah, sell a check-in call, always fun. A lot of stuff going on in the Q&A and the chat, but really nothing desperately exciting to. Uh, to announce. Uh, going back to the eBay news, um, early uh, in 2023, um, the, all the various post offices around the world are going to start to be more demanding in terms of the documentation they need for customs. I think this is driven partly by concerns about items with lithium batteries mm. and fires being caused around the place because they don't know that they have to be treated separately and I also I think obviously the push given the economic status around the world of governments to collect more taxes mm-hmm. so the, the the system's going to change there'll be more demanding rules and it may not be terribly clear exactly what the new rules are but certainly just writing gift or accessory or something in the description box will get your item bounced back to you ah. um, and by the way when that happens as I've discovered to my cost um you are out the, the the original postage that you pay, so you have to correct the paperwork, and and then send it back again and pay a second postage fee. So and obviously so, the thing gets delayed. Okay, I have a question. Would if you have whatever it is in the description, let's say a stuffed monkey, mm-hmm. something I'm looking Very at good. right now, yep. um, but you check off the box that says gift. I don't I mean it used to be the case that gifts were handled differently by most taxation authorities and you got a certain gift allowance versus a purchase allowance. I actually think that's not the case and hasn't been the case for some years. It's just the value of the item. Mm-hmm. And I've been just leaving it the default way that eBay has it with checking off that it was merchandise. Yeah, I I think that's a bit of a red flag. When um, you do check off gift, I don't think it changes the financials. I think it just looks like a red flag that because look, you're sitting there with a with a computer printed thermal label. You know, you really it's not it's not your auntie sending you a jumper or something, is it? Come on, let's let's be realistic. It just doesn't <laughs> jive with the look of the package. So, and that's anything that doesn't look right is a red flag. To, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. To the customer, and, and worst case, it might just be pushed into the let's look at this later kind of box and not move it straight through. And you don't Which want is that. always fun. You don't want that. Because your, yeah. my experience with customs is either very quick or very slow. There's not much in between. It either goes straight through or it goes into that big bin. We'll look at that when the dog comes around, has a sniff, then we'll we'll think about moving it on. Um, 
Six months later, you get it back. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And we've talked about a few of those cases in the past. So uh, apparently you're going to have to write fairly detailed descriptions, be very accurate if it's uh, something involving batteries, that sort of thing. And if you don't, chances are your stuff will start coming back to you. Um, And also it may be the case that the uh, recipient gets charged more taxes. But there you go. That's the way of the world. Also, uh, Sherry, news from eBay. I mean, you do some luxury stuff, don't you? I do. I have a luxury watch listed right now, and eBay has a promo of up to 10% off for the buyer on watches. I wonder if they're doing it with select sellers or if it's any luxury watches. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't don't know. I, I, I... Think it's a general promotion, but it's not a category I would have received a notification about because it's not something I've mm. ever sold in, really. Yeah, so uh, maybe they're buying, you know, market share. Um, but that, but they've yes. been, yeah, they have been <laughs> trying these various different promotions, like pre Black Friday twenty percent off mm-hmm. that I was included in and got me a sale on sale, <laughs> <laughs> and vast and, amounts uh, of preparatory work for the one sale. <laughs> that's right. But um, I've also noticed another one, too, um, where it was definitely featuring certain sellers and it was Adidas and something else. I I don't remember what it was. Anyway, they seem to be having like one promotion after another for buyers, which, I mean, if it increases sales, that's great. Yeah, I think it's just a case of trying to buy some share. Obviously, they're not um, filling up their authentication system yet and they've got people standing around with nothing to do maybe and they want to try and drive some volume in the uh, uh, in, in the fourth, fourth quarter who knows anyway so it sounds like uh, a, a good deal perhaps if you're into buying watches but for the rest of us not that exciting uh, one here that came in this week uh, I got the direct email on this one from I was going to say a friends at PayPal but friends and PayPal's no friend of mine as far as I'm concerned as soon as they decided they were going to trouser the commission on on refunds as well as sales I'm afraid I lost interest in giving them any business whatsoever so I've been boycotting them but I'm still on the mailing list and they're ending their free returns promo which is a strange thing I've never used it myself but I think the deal was that if you buy something and use PayPal, so I guess it would apply to eBay purchases where someone's actually settled the um, the purchase with PayPal, um, and you have to return it, and it's a paid shipping return, PayPal will cover the cost of the label. I hate promotions that are based around driving more returns. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to anybody. Unless, of course, you're PayPal, I guess, in which case, A, the label cost is fairly cheap because you've got a wholesale deal with the label people. And secondly, because you're stiffing people for the 3%, even on returns, yes, it would make great sense to try and encourage people to buy stuff they're going to return because you still get your 3% rather than have to refund that back when the return takes place. So I think it's uh, I think it's the good riddance to uh, PayPal and good riddance to their free returns promo as far as I'm concerned. So you sell on Shopify and uh, do they have their own merchant system for collecting yes, payment? Yes, yeah. I, I st- you can use PayPal. Uh, they do have a system where they try and drive it a bit to PayPal, but you can add a third-party app in that neutralizes that. Oh, okay. Um, so that's I, what you do. And on my site, I say, I'm sorry, I'm no longer going to take PayPal. And here's the reasons. There's a big essay as to why I hate PayPal. <laughs> I will consider it in, in certain international situations because the problem is people in the Netherlands, Germany, sort of those sort of uh, countries don't typically like having credit cards. 
and they, but they do have PayPal linked to their bank account and PayPal they put money from their checking account into PayPal to make purchases. Oh, and okay. if you don't take PayPal, you'll quite often lose the sale. So I, I maybe I lose some anyway. I will consider it on an individual case basis where the buyer says, well, that's the only option I really have. Um, but that's really the only time I'll think about doing it. Okay. So anyway, uh, let's not get stuck on the whole PayPal thing because uh, we'll be here the rest of the day. Uh, also, yes, Shari, you've been getting emails, uh -huh. I'm assuming, from the eBay Main Street people like I have. Yep, they're still trying to get the $600 1099k threshold raised in one last ditch a Hail Mary. Mhm. Mm and yeah, that's all I have on that. <laughs> I mean, I guess that uh, where are we now? We're into uh, November. They got one more month to get this thing through and after that they're going to be sending out the 1099k's at 600 and above, which is going to be a lot of emails and more importantly for them a lot of people ringing up saying what's this email what do you mean you're going to report me to the government blah 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 so they're trying to wriggle out of that one but i think time is somewhat against them and um anyway so they're, they're trying to get some support for that they're flying people into washington dc i think there was an announcement about that mm -hmm. <sighs> i mean and i noticed hmm? it applied oh i'm so sorry i interrupted your sigh but they, uh, it also applies to other marketplaces. I guess yeah. you, you already know this, but like Facebook Marketplace is saying, you can't list anything with shipping unless you give us more information. Oh, okay. And I don't list anything with shipping on Facebook anyway. So. All right. Very good. And yes. Etsy yes. also sent me yep. a message. Mm -hmm. That's the way of the future also. All right. Mm -hmm. We'll have a, a caller to the show coming up right after this. Okay. So Philip and Sherry clearly aren't experts. We need your help. Will you be a guest on the show? Is there something about selling on eBay that you can share? We'd like to have you join us. Contact us. www.sellsellsell.online. That's www.sellsellsell.online. Thank you for being part of the show. Very good. Uh, that number, if you want to take part, is uh, eBay. What are we talking about? One eight three three eBay seven twenty three. The phone number, if that's uh, a better way of getting in touch. Uh, we get your voicemails and text mails. Both of us receive those. Uh, also, um, Sherry, we've got uh, yes, this voicemail in from a listener. Do you want to just say who the listener is because he doesn't announce himself at least in the part of the message we received, and then we'll play the message. Yes, it's John Trular, and he sells fishing tackle and um he actually lives probably 10 minutes from me so i did meet him and i met him because he attended my session at ebay open so okay that's who it is okay and here's his message here's an interesting question for you have you ever sold something to a customer they leave feedback fast shipping and well packaged, very highly recommended. And then a week later claim they never received the package. I don't understand it. And that's all we got. Maybe there was more, but that's uh, I think that sums it up. There's a question of, you know, you get feedback says one thing, customers complaint or dispute says something else. Sherry, how do you navigate your way through this one if you were faced with that? With a well, I'm guessing that well i would call ebay customer service but i'm guessing ebay would go based on the fact that he he might have discovered something afterwards so just they would handle the dispute separately mm -hmm. and not 
worry about the feedback. Um, it's frustrating, but I have a feeling that the way that eBay is handling it is just based on whatever the buyer says in the dispute. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, eBay, well, for a start, 99%, I think, of cases are probably not even read by a human being anyway. So even mm -hmm. if you put the comments in there saying, oh, by the way, they left feedback, it's not going to be any make any impact. And the the rules for adjudication, I'm sure, don't even look at feedback. No. So if it's not received, and that's the basis of the claim, then it simply looks at the tracking number and or signature. And yes or no to that depends on who gets who gets to keep the money. If it's not exactly. as described, the buyer's right regardless, which is annoyance and frustrating because you know, I sit here thinking, hang on a second, I've brought you millions of dollars of revenue. I've been at this, what, 20-odd years now. I think I know what I'm doing in my categories. Yet some week with a feedback of two, membership on eBay of a week says that they don't think the item they received was correctly set up. You know, the eBay will value the, the oik rather than me in every single case, which I find frustrating, but that's just the way it works. All right, yeah, I won't I get too sidetracked with that, but I do feel <laughs> like eBay does protect me as a seller. Um, as I mean, you know, the worst thing is I might have to pay return shipping mm -hmm. and refund the person. Yes, but in, just to back to the difference between feedback and the basis of someone's claim. Oh, sorry. Feedback yeah. means nothing, basically. Correct. It's not Now, if you got to a point where you really felt there was something bad going on and there was a whole bunch of things and the feedback was just part of a overall picture that you wanted to try and um, appeal against the decision, and that was part of your argument, and actually get through to a, a human being, which, as you say, would be a case of calling eBay, they might look at it. I don't think it's going to turn on it, but it's, you know, it might, it might at least cause them perhaps to cover the cost themselves, perhaps, if it was a kind of obviously a he said, she said, no real obvious uh, factual determination. But... Broadly speaking, and I um, just to divert slightly, during the sort of pandemic shutdown, uh, I was doing these meetups uh, virtually on the eBay um, meetup platform thing. And I actually had one where I had some ladies from the trust and safety group in eBay. And just for fun, we were talking about a lot of these sort of edge cases where it's not terribly clear and it's perhaps obviously a scam or some nefarious situation, but you know, how does eBay handle that? And this was one of the cases that I, I put up for the group to discuss. That Trump, you know, uh, feedback says one thing, buyer says another. And the correct answer, as far as eBay is concerned, is they go with the buyer's version. Uh, feedback doesn't count for toffee. So there you go. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's uh, one of those things. You can talk about it uh, in the bar when you go to eBay Open and swap war stories, but uh, is it going to make a difference? No, unless I think you can somehow argue it at appeal but even then, I think you're going to need a lot more evidence on your side because if, it, if they bounce it back to the buyer and say, what do you mean by that? They're just going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I got confused with a different item or something. So where does it get you? I don't know. Yeah. So, and I think it comes down to, uh, as a seller, just offering the option to return it for a full refund. And if the buyer won't do that, then eBay can you know, definitely step in because that's what the buyer has to do. 
Okay, good question. If you've got a question, you want to yeah. share it, we'll happily give you our version of uh, uh, what we might think in that situation. The uh, the uh, voicemail number is one eight three three eBay seven twenty three. That's one eight three three eBay seven twenty three. You can send us a text or leave us a voicemail, and uh, we'll uh, feature your question on the program. And, and thank you very much indeed for phoning that one in. Give us more. We like them. And uh, while we're talking about uh, listener contributions, last time, I think it was last time, uh, we had an interesting comment. Uh, we, well, no, we didn't. We were talking about Sherry's problem with the post office in her area asking her to produce scan sheets. So these are the sheets the way you, they can scan one item rather than all your items. And they were putting an upper limit on the number of items that could be scanned. And you threw up the bat signal saying, I can't figure this out. It's time consuming. How do I make this work? And you got a response, right? I did. I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, from Scott, and he's in New York. I think it's Poughkeepsie, New York. And he is also working out of his basement, as nice, am yeah. I. And we FaceTimed, and he we used it so that he could see my screen and tell me what to do. Because along with all the other adjustments I had to make in the learning curve, my biggest problem is that it wouldn't print the label f- to my label printer. It would make it in the f- sideways, like a format mm-hmm. for an inkjet. And then I'd have to go back to each one individually in the shipping section, bulk shipping section, reprint the label, and it would print it correctly hmm. on the label printer. So he was helping me find the setting where I can tell it to print to a label printer. Now, I, I, it's not that simple because in, in my print screen, I had it on Dymo label printer and I had four by six label. I had all of those things, but um, anyway, the there's a setting that is hard to find and so hard to find that <laughs> as he and I were chatting and I, I stumbled upon it by accident, really, as we were talking and changed that setting. Now, here's some things that he taught me uh, that were very helpful. Okay, good. When you go to bulk shipping, it shows you everything you have that's awaiting shipment. Mm -hmm. And you can change the weights, the dimensions, you can see what they paid for shipping, you can see what you're going to pay, you can see what it sold for. These are all things that I need as well. The, it's very non-intuitive because you have a little checkbox to the left of each one so what I did with him watching, thankfully, because he told me what to do, he corrected me after I did this. I checked one and clicked purchase label. Hmm. And it was taking me to the next screen, including everything. And he said, actually, what that checkbox is for is you check them and click delete from the screen. And then you're left with just the one you want to do if you just want to do one or select ones. So you don't select the ones you want to do. You select the ones and then tell it to remove them. And they come back the next time around when you want to print the yes. next? Yes. Because I would be so worried. Th- I, think I was worried. Thinking, I was oh worried. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up making this worse. It either said delete or remove. I can't remember, oh, okay. but either way it was scary. I wouldn't have done it, but he said, you have to remove it. It'll come back. And then when I went back to bulk shipping, the ones that I hadn't, created a label for, we're back. Okay. So that's a fun fact that will help bulk shipping be easier for you. And then he and I talked about the fact that you need to have everything packaged 
and then you just write the weights and and the dimensions on each package Mm. to do it in bulk. But you also need some indication of what the item is. You don't mail the wrong thing to the wrong person, which isn't fun. And um, he was saying that he puts the buyer's name on there, but sometimes that can still backfire. I can't remember why. I think because you have two buyers with the same name. I can't remember. But what I do is you can opt to tell it to have your custom label show print on the label. Yes. And that's, and I have blue masking tape on every item Mm -hmm. that has my custom label code. So I just take it off the item, put it on the outside of the package, Mm. and then I can match it up that way. So this has its potential. I do want to say something um, in regarding my mail carrier, because remember how she told me, like you mentioned, that I had to have the scan form and then didn't pick up my 25 packages the next day that I had on my porch. (laughs) So the day that I was flagging down UPS last week, she drove up and I said, oh, you know, the bulk shipping, I have to do bulk shipping and I haven't figured it out yet. And she said, oh, you don't have to do that. It's just if you want it scanned when I pick it up. Mm. Otherwise it'll be scanned in Denver. And I'm, my post office isn't in Denver, but that's the hub, I guess. That's what I'm seeing is they don't scan it at the post office down the road. They just throw it straight in the back of the truck that goes to the next biggest thing. My case, Maine, Orlando, whatever it is, facility. And they might scan it there. Usually they do. But the problem is that might be tomorrow. Yeah, and, and I I told her I didn't um, mind that until I figure out the bulk shipping, mm-hmm. but that she didn't pick it up that next day, and she said she had a substitute, and she left a note for her to pick it up. Mm. So she is now back to picking up, and I will start having that scan form. Anyway, I just wanted to say that in her Okay, well, Defense. that's that's, and maybe she's just doing what she's been told to do. I, I don't know. Perhaps we're being a bit unkind on her. I mean, to be honest, it, as we were saying before, I mean, if you, if you can scan five, scanning eight is probably just four or five seconds more work. I mean, I know. I don't know it, why they. It seems do silly to her. I, I, if it happens here, I will take a different tack, and I will raise it up the management tree and and see how much hassle I can. I can create at a senior level and, and maybe see if that makes a difference. But right now, because I my post post guy is pretty good, um, I, I, he just does stuff anyway, so I don't have to worry too much. As you say, the problem is when there's a substitute, which is usually Wednesdays where I am, and uh-huh. that's just a complete wild card. They will they just do whatever the hell they please, and I, at least I know because yeah. it's usually a Wednesday, and I I tend to see the guy because I have a little bing bong thing that goes off when he opens the big bin that contains the USPS's ah, the stuff. So I hear a ding-dong nice. in my workroom, and I would go out and say hello, and are you working tomorrow or got the weekend off or whatever. Uh, so I know typically the day is going to be total chaos, and I can then be on extra extra guard to try and uh, make sure that uh, when they don't pick up the parcels, I scan for the parcel drop-off because I get an email from the USPS system when they scan it as delivered, which they seem to scan most of the time. 
and then I'll go charging down the street <laughs> with oh, my yes. with my items they should have picked up and give them an earful and stand over them while they do the acceptance scan in front of me because I don't trust the substitutes to do that. And then, yeah. I, then I scuttle back to my place and uh, that's that. That's the work done for the day. Anyway. You, so, you ride an alligator over there. I do. So there we are. I mean, I just wish it was just so, so much simpler. I mean, it's just, you know, so much effort just to try and get people to do their jobs. And they're supposed to have systems that mean that – you know, when someone goes takes a day off or goes on vacation, the whole thing doesn't fall apart, but it does. I know. She was disappointed. She's like, she didn't? Um, because she had specifically left her a note, and I had prominently displayed on my porch in eBay bags yeah. my items. By the way, did I tell you that Scott said to say hi to Philip? Oh, that's very kind of him. Hello, Scott. <laughs> yes. Please send in more stuff. <laughs> Uh, it, it gives us something else to talk about other than what we care about. So it's good to good to know what's uh, coming in as questions. Uh, here's a rant for you. Um, auction numbers. I think eBay is trying – they feel auction numbers are kind of part of the old eBay, the old everything's an auction and whatever, and they, they want to move towards the order numbers, which is a gobbledygook set of numbers with some dashes in between that's only assigned after the transaction completes. And – I guess this bothers me more immediately as a buyer, because I'm an arbitrageur on eBay. I buy on buy on eBay low. I sell on eBay high. I make enough money to keep myself happy. Uh, pretty straightforward stuff. And on the purchase summary screen, you know, the stuff you've bought, which now includes that ability to search for a particular set of characters, which is like after 50 years, a major Yay. major improvement. Um, they've dropped the auction numbers. So you see a summary of the things you bought with the title, a photo, price, and their their transaction number, but the auction number's been dropped. And for me, that is a big problem because I my system works on auction numbers. That's how I tend to track stuff. When I um, record what I paid for something, I use the auction number as the means of doing that because, A, it's a simple thing. It doesn't have any dashes in there, so I can much more easily manipulate it with Excel if I, and search for things. But also, it's the same from start to finish. So I can then use that auction number to see if I've bought that item in the past, um, if I had dealings with this seller before, were there problems? Um, is there, uh, was there some discussion with the seller prior in terms of any particular pricing or deals or shipping, whatever it is? Everything rolls up under that auction number. The transaction number is not very helpful to me because it only tells you what happened after you paid for the item. And also, it, it, it is difficult to manipulate you know, in, in an Excel or something because it's numbers and dashes and stuff. It's not an actual number. Now, it may be a small thing, but all these things add a couple of minutes here and there. And again, it's like the same thing I always feel is that I think eBay totally understands what they're doing at the macro level, and they're very good at that. But they failed to grasp, I think, at the micro level, what all these things mean for people that operate on the platform all day, every day, and have hundreds of items. I mean, yeah. I buy, for example, expensive sound cards, a lot of them. And one thing about a sound card is they all look the same. You know, an Acme Model 2000 sound card looks like an Acme Model 2000 sound card. I can't just go to the photos and say, oh, yeah, that's this number. Yeah. So tracking the auction numbers is key for me to, for a start, just know if I even received the item and stuff like that, or whether this one that I'm testing is this seller's problem or that seller's problem. 
So it just it just makes life harder. It's a small thing, and I don't think they probably thought about it very much, but it worries me that they don't don't seem able to put themselves in the shoes of someone who uses the platform a lot. I mean, yeah, they they sell onesie twosies kind of stuff themselves, but you know, selling a couple of pairs of shoes a month is very different from spending ten hours a day, whatever we might do on their systems all the time and it's just a lack of understanding and and to my mind it's a lack of putting out uh, feelers to try and hire people that actually you have used the platform in a professional capacity when they when they hire people they tend to hire people on the basis of their you know html whiz or whatever it is but not people actually old sweats who really know how to use the system so I don't know. Maybe that's not the answer, but it, it's it's just frustrating, and it's just another thing that adds time and hassle that didn't need to be there. It wasn't broken. They decided to fix it, and it just makes life a little bit harder. Yeah, and then we have to change our ways and find a new way to do things. I did remember my uh, thing that I wanted to share. Oh yeah, go on about a lost item. So on. Uh, the, a week before Sunday, oh, two Sundays ago, I figured I'd get ahead of the game and get my shipping done, and we couldn't find one item. And I have, like I said, the blue tape. It has the bin number mm-hmm. and who I'm selling it for and the item number. And uh, so it's in the custom label field. So when I do the awaiting shipment screen, I can print out my pick list. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I looked in the bin. It said it was in A10. It wasn't in there. And actually, there were two other items within one number of that one that weren't in there either and said that they were. Mm. But um, on Sunday, I spent at least an hour, possibly two, trying to brainstorm and figure this out, like looking at every bin that anything was assigned to on the day that this was listed. And I looked in all of those bins and I texted the employee, hmm. just asked them, do you remember any other bins? And he was very helpful. And he told me, any, you know, other bins that he remembered using. It wasn't in any of them. My first piece of advice for a takeaway, when this is going on, uh, set it aside and forget it until the next day. Just leave it alone. Mm, yeah. I, I did that because otherwise I was going to get nothing accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just proceeded to ship my other items. And then the next day, which is Monday, I went to pull my items for shipping. And this one was listed by a different person. Actually, it was listed by me. And I went to the bin that it was in, but the bin was so full and it was, and I guess I was slightly tired. Anyway, I dropped the bin and half of what was in there fell out to the side. And there was my missing item just smiling up at me. Um, it's a, a polo shirt in a, a package, but I don't really have a really good point to this. Um, other than that, I thought that was definitely meant to be because if I had been trying to troubleshoot and searched that bin, I would have seen that it was all items I had listed and figure that the other, the employee didn't put anything in there because half the f- top half of everything was my items I had listed. So I, if I hadn't dropped it and half of it hadn't fallen out, I wouldn't have seen it there. And I did find the other two items there. Now humans make mistakes and I realize that and I make mistakes too. 
So the way we're going to try to prevent this from happening in the future, because he just didn't change the number in the custom label field. Mm. And he was, you know, listing one item after another. So now the photographer, because I have people create drafts, put it on a table, and then the person uses the new listing tool to import from mobile and take pictures real fast. That person is now also quality control, and they're going to check the whole number in the custom label field to make sure it matches. Very good. I have more than my fair share, I think, of items that I know are in there somewhere and isn't where it's supposed to be. Oftentimes, it tracks back to a situation where, let's say someone just cancelled an audio and I just relisted it straight away. And I didn't, I said, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll relabel the box after lunch. I didn't like, get around to doing it. Yeah. So oftentimes, I will go, you know, they bought an Acme Model 2000 and I can't find the Acme Model 2000. Because I, what I do is I take the auction number, again, auction numbers are important, take the last three digits and I write that in big red letters on the outside of every package. It's not a unique identifier, but it does allow me to scan along the row of boxes and and pretty easily pull out the one that matches. I'll then check the actual details on the label. Good Another application, by the way, for a thermal label printer is to hook it up to your browser because you can then print the first page of the listing from the browser on the thermal label. And then you get a label, which in my case shows the, the date that I printed the label. It gives me the item number. It gives me the full literal title and probably the the headline price I had at the time. And I stick that on the box. I take a big red pen. I write the last three numbers of the listing number on it. And that's how I'll find it in my shelving system. And by the way, items of a similar size are grouped together. So I know I know typically which shelving section I'm going to because it's a typically a 22 by 14 by 4 because that's what I use for that particular type of item. I look for the three red digits that match and then I check the rest of the label. doesn't take very long. So nice. slight, slight digression. And, and quite often what will happen is I'll, I won't be able to find it, but I'll pull all the items that match that title description and then I'll double check the listing numbers against what's currently shown as active on the system. And if I find one that isn't somehow active, it's probably that box. And I'll go back and I'll chase and find out why, why does that discrepancy happen. It almost always goes back to I stupidly didn't change something I should have changed. But this is just to go back, trying to tie this thing together, it goes back to auction numbers and listing numbers yeah, uh, and, and emails. Because what they've done in eBay is now when on the, on the desktop site, if you end a listing, you don't get an email back saying you ended the listing. Well, that's a key piece of information that I keep on file because it's always useful when you do these investigations. What the hell happened six months ago? To know, okay, well, I, I cancelled, I ended a listing with that particular title. Let me look at exactly that time, maybe a few minutes later, and see what I listed, because that might well be what I did with you it. You don't, you don't get an email when you end an item. No, not anymore. They stopped doing that. Oh, I, I thought and that I was did, one of my sticky maybe... sticky notes on okay. the eBay uh, <clears throat> board at the uh, what's it the event. Where they were the asking reseller. for the reseller remix. I had, I had quite a few on the, the board by the time I finished talking with them. Uh, yeah. So that's the first problem. And now the second problem is another change they've recently made is that when I list an item, you used to get your listing has been listed full item title with the auction number. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they dropped the auction number, so that's now difficult for me to search on. Mm. And now they've your listing is live, and then about the first 10 characters – 
of the listing title and nothing after that. So it's got even mm. more useless. So the way the, the the tools I had to figure out months, potentially months or a year down the road, what did I do? Why is this this discrepancy taking place? I could always backtrack it and find the point at which the discontinuity happened, then work out forensically why I have something yes. here and I'm missing something there. Um, but without eBay sharing that information, it makes it ten times harder. It's all buried in there somewhere, but it's just harder to search. Uh, using email, e e email titles and dates and things to try and really track down what's going on. I, this is kind of deep, but um, but that's that's the life, you know. If you if you do this all day every day and this is your living rather than just doing the occasional pair of shoes, this is what's involved, and this is why I think they don't understand. And to be honest, I frankly want to understand. They're making plenty of money as it is. Why would they care about making our lives easier? That's not uh -huh. not what they get up in the morning for. Unless you work for eBay and you want to come and tell us that's uh, mistaken. We do have someone, hopefully, like that who's going to tell me that I'm mistaken. But uh, we're yes. difficult to track down, but we'll try and get them on the, on the show at some point. Anyway, all right. Well, I think we've probably just about thrashed that to death. Um, also, uh, just a, a quick note. Um, I don't know, Shao, you, you, like me, I'm sure have uh, a tax exemption certificate for your state. I don't buy. Oh, I, I do. I do have that. Yes. I mean, if you sell, you have to. You probably get one by I definition, do. even if you don't use it. Yes, uh, I have a resale license. Yeah, you have a resale thing. I've got one of those as well. <laughs> and by the way, if you send that into eBay, um, if you're buying stuff for your business, uh, they won't charge you sales tax on the eBay system. It's something that you need to do every year. And now seems a very good time to get your uh, certificate for next year and send that in. Uh, it's kind of a complicated URL, but I just Googled it and it came up. And uh, I sent mine in and they processed it like within a day. And if you leave it till the 2nd of January, it could be a little bit longer than that. So that's a, a tip for you to save some time. Anyway, that's about it for this week's edition of the Selling on eBay radio show. Philip Jackson saying, have a great time. See you next time. Thanks for listening.